church this morning. Amen. It's been a good day. Um, what time? It's uh, it's a little later for me getting up here, but I'm thankful because it's only 10:08 in Alabama. It's 10:08 in Alabama, and so I mean I've got till noons. So I got a couple hours to go here, Raymond. We we're good to go. All right, I'm not going to kill you today. I promise, I'm not going to kill you, uh, boys. We were as we were singing that last song uh, and thinking about Paul. I thought, boy, I could be Paul singing that. Now, it'll be us singing it, not just, just singing it because it's what's on the screen. That's what, but we ought to be singing that in our hearts. Man, I'm, I'm thankful. Hallelujah. I, I was a prisoner, and now I'm not. With his blood, he, he bought my freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. What a, what a great, great, great exclamation and proclamation of, of hopefully of our joy of what God has done. And it really, that song really does fit with what we're going to look at this morning. So listen, I'm going to, I'm going to move fast. I've got, I've got 15 pages of notes here. I don't, I don't, I don't. I have, I have six. I have six, which is short for me. But I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to try to, um, I'm going to condense this a little bit and we'll highlight some stuff. Uh, I don't want to kill you today, and, but I don't want to miss, miss what God's got for us this morning. Um, so turn to Philippians. We're in chapter 3, and we're going to look at this morning, we're, we're, we're still in chapter 3, the spiritual mind, right? That's what we've been talking about in chapter 3. And so the title this morning, and this is not a new message. You've heard this message before. I've preached this a couple of times, and it just fit in perfect today. This is where we're at, so I'm going to, I'm going to rehearse this message. I'm going to preach this message again. Tuned up a little bit today for where we're at, but that's what we're going to look at. So let's just have a word, word of prayer. I thank Aaron for praying, but I want to just go to the Lord right now and settle my heart. Father, thank you again for our time together. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for, Lord, giving your body to be broken and your blood that was shed for us. Lord, we, we, there's nothing we could do. There, there is, we just could not do enough to truly express the, the gratitude for that gift. It, it, it was, it's an indescribable gift. Lord, may we this morning come with grateful hearts, with humble hearts, and with obedient hearts. So Lord, I just pray that you'll guide my thoughts and speech now. I pray you'll bless in this message. Lord, use it. Use my inadequacies. Use these fallible, sinful lips of clay, Lord, to bring glory to you. I pray that your word would go forth clearly to our hearts and that we would respond, God, to what you want to do in our life today. And we'll glorify you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul, at this point, and we've been looking at Paul. Paul's written this book. He's talking to the Philippians, and we've talked about joy. It's the joy book. It really isn't the joy book. This is the Jesus book, and joy is the result of that. When we get close to Jesus, we have joy. You're not going to have real joy without him. And it's really the book about Jesus. It's about our drawing close to him. And so, listen, Paul at this point, already here, he's a living legend. Paul's a living legend. He, he, in the Christian realm, he was what Tiger Woods is to golf. He was, he's what Tom Brady to football and Michael Jordan is to basketball. He, you like that, don't you? You like that. UNC girl, she likes that. Michael Jordan, um, you know, he, he, he's, he was the most famous person in Christianity at that time. 
He, he would have been very, very famous. He would have been, he was the most prolific. And you look at the writings that he had already done, the writings he would do. I mean, he writes most of the New Testament, the most prolific. He was the most accomplished. You look at the mission work he's done, the church planting that he had done. You look at the areas he had covered and the, the, the expanse of the gospel because of his ministry. Look, Paul was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot, unanimous Hall of Famer. That's just, that's just where he was, if you look at it from, from that standpoint. Now, last week we learned about Paul's past. And, and he, he, he contrasted his former life, and, and it was that of seeking a work's righteousness. And, and now, you know, then he, then he talked about his new life and faith righteousness. So there's, there's, you can try for works righteousness or you can have faith righteousness. But only one's going to get you to heaven, and that's faith righteousness. And only that, that can only be acquired through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul speaks of that. He talked about how he was trying to work his way to heaven. And, and, and then he met Christ on that road to Damascus. He had heard the gospel. He had seen the gospel lived out. He watched as Stephen testified of the Lord. He saw those things, and God had been working in his heart. And on the Damascus Road, he fully revealed himself to him and miraculously and wonderfully saved Paul right there. And Paul's life was never the same. And he goes from instantly from a works righteousness to a faith righteousness. He instantly was righteous and right before God. And today we're going to then look at, so that's his past, and today Paul's going to share with us his present, where he is right now. And I want to back up to verse 7 and, and, and read these again. We read these verses last week, but I want to pick up at verse 7 and, and launch from there. Uh, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He makes it very clear there. Jesus is my Lord. And, and, and I count everything a loss. I count the pursuits that I had before. I count my fame. I count my popularity. I count my way of making a living. I, I, I count my way of, of, of people looking at me and having, having stature in the community or whatever. I count all these things as lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. I shared, you know, he, he didn't, those things he had lost, he didn't want like he was going, oh, I just lament so much what I've lost. Those things were nothing in his sight now. The, 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 compared to Christ, all of that was, it was refuse. It was, it was waste. If you get where, you understand what I'm saying. It was nothing. That was rubbish. It was to be discarded. It had no value. He said, that I may gain Christ. And be found in him and have and not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, that was his past, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And that's his present and that's his future. Verse 10. Verse 10, that I may know him. Now understand, Paul's not saying, now, now uh, I, I'm, that I might get to know him, that I might come to know him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that I know him. Paul knew Christ. Paul was born again. He was a child of God. He had been saved. But what Paul said is, here's the thing. Paul wanted to continue to grow in the knowledge of Christ. He wanted to know him better, to know him deeper, to know him more in intimately. He wanted to continue to grow in that relationship. He wanted to know him in every way that he could, to every depth that he could. Oh, that that was our desire. Amen. Oh, that we had that desire. That I'm in, I know him, and I know more about him, but it's nothing. My desire is to know him and the power of his resurrection. 
Now, Paul knew the power of his resurrection. Paul had experienced resurrection. He had been born again. That is a death-to-life miracle. He had experienced that, and he wanted to continue to experience that. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul had already, he was a part of the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. He, but, that, but even with that, we read, we've already read, that he was ready and willing to go all the way to death with Christ. There was no backing up or backing down with Paul. If he pours me out as a drink offering, then to God be the glory. If he allows me to get out of this jail and go win more to Christ, then to God be the glory. Whatever God has for me, I want that. And he was well prepared to be a part of the fellowship of the sufferings. He was, and he was ready for more. Being, and, then, and it continues, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now again, he's not saying that I can attain this, that I can grasp this, that maybe I get this, this resurrection from the dead. No, what he was saying is that I arrive at it at the end. End, that, that I get there. I want to, you know, when I get there, I, you know, I'm going to be there, but at some point I'm going to be there. I want to arrive to that, to the resurrection of the dead, and I want to be with Jesus. And so there's, as we, as we get into into the verses, uh, verses 12 through, I, I don't know where we at, 12 through 17 here or 16, um, th- there's five things that, that I think Paul's telling us that we can take from this. And, and I, I want to lay these out. And as I said, I want to move through this as quickly as possible. But the first point is this, verse 12 and 13 is this. It's righteous dissatisfaction. And that's the title of the message today. So it's righteous dissatisfaction. Let me, let me, let's read the verse and, we'll under, and, and hopefully we'll grasp what this means. So he says, not that I have already attained. Not that I've already attained. Now maybe back on the, early, on, early in his trip on that road to Damascus, before he got saved, Paul might have said, you know what, I've arrived. I'm the best of the best. There ain't a Pharisee doing what I'm doing. There ain't nobody. And he even bragged. He didn't brag, but he stated, and he's telling what he thought then. He would have thought very highly of himself and what he was doing. He said, but now he says, not that I have, not that I, I wouldn't say this now. I'm not saying this about myself. Not that I have already attained. I haven't already grasped this. I don't have this yet or am already perfected. But I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not what Christ, where Christ is going to have me. I'm not there yet. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ, uh, Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count. Again, this word count we talked about last week. It's the word, the meaning there for us is, is to evaluate or to assess he says, I, so as I evaluate myself, as I assess my life, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't gotten it. I'm not there. A lot of people think they've arrived. I, I, I shared this one time. When I, years ago, when I first went into ministry, I had this thought like this, that I've arrived. And it wasn't, it wasn't a maturity thing. It wasn't like I went, oh, man, I am there now. I'm all that. But I remember thinking, man, I'm here. I'm in I'm in ministry. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that the Lord would allow me to be in ministry and put me on staff, never sent a resume in. And when I was on staff, first thing in ministry, a church of 1,100 people. It was just a God thing. And I thought, man, I've arrived. I'll be here 25 years. I'll retire from here. Oh, did I? (laughs) The Lord laughed at that. He said, son, if you only knew, if you only knew. Listen, others might have said that about Paul. Boy, that Paul, he's arrived. He is the man. He is. 
You know, he's just the guy. Others would have said that. Paul says, I, I don't reckon myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. I'm not mature. I'm not what God wants me to be yet. I'm not there. So here's the deal. Paul wasn't satisfied with where he was. Now, he was satisfied with his salvation, but he wasn't satisfied with where he was in his relationship with Christ. Okay? So now, folks, this is where growth starts. Because if Paul says, I've arrived, I'm there, what does he do? He gets complacent. He, he gets, man, there's no, there's no drive. I, you know, I can't get any closer to Jesus than I am right now. I mean, I'm the pinnacle. They're going to talk 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years from now, they're going to be talking about me, how I'm the man. That's not Paul's heart at all. All this we see. First ballot, unanimous Hall of Famer already. And he says, ah, I'm, not, I'm not content with where I'm at. And he's talking about spiritually. I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and, and God is good to me. And he's done all these things in my life and I've grown so much, but I don't know all I want to know. I don't know him like I want to know him. I'm not, I haven't done for him all I want to do for him. I want to, then I'm just not there. Folks, if you're going to grow in anything in life, you've got to get to that place. Amen. Look, if you want, to, you want to lose weight, here's what, here, well, I would say, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. But until we get righteously dissatisfied, where we go, you know what? I'm just sick of this. I'm going to do something about it. That's right. You know, I, I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. Yeah. I've put on some pounds. Two months, I've not, not been able to, I can hardly go out and walk fast without getting lightheaded. So I put on, I put on a little weight. I'm not happy with it. But am I, am I unhappy enough that it's going to make a change? You have to get dissatisfied with where you're at. And so whether it's my weight or my fitness or my Bible knowledge, or my spiritual maturity. I hear people go, you know what, I, I just don't know. I don't, I'm not as mature as you are. I don't know as much as you do. You know what, you can. That's right. It's like John Phillips told me, and I said, John Phillips, where'd you go to school? Where'd you learn all this? He said, the same place you can, young man. The Holy Spirit of God taught me. Get in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. But if you want to have that, you want to be spiritually mature, you got to want that. you got to be dissatisfied with where you're at now. Maybe your level of commitment. You know what? I'd like to be at church more. I'd like to be at church more. Well, get dissatisfied with the fact that you're not at church the way you want to be and change that. Okay? Starts with that. So um, until I'm dissatisfied with where I am, or better said, where I'm not. Paul wasn't really looking at where he was because he was satisfied in the sense that, man, he was walking with the Lord. He loved the Lord. The Lord loved him, all that. But he, he said, this is not where I want to be. Now, if the Lord takes me out right now, okay. But, but I'm, I, there's more. There's more. I can get closer. I can be stronger. I can, I can, I can, be, you know, I can know more of him and, and be more like him. That's what I want. We got to get dissatisfied with where we're at. There ain't a one of us in here, not a one of us in this room today that ought to be satisfied with where we are spiritually Amen. because we all have greater growth. None of us have reached it. If Paul, I promise you, if Paul hadn't attained it, none of us have. Right. Amen? Amen? Gina, good to see you here. Been a little while. Glad you're here. <laughs> so now you're a squirrel. 
All right, so here's the deal. If I, if I compare myself to Paul, I don't stack up. None of us do. And then you think about Paul. Well, who'd Paul compare himself to? If Paul had started looking around for somebody to, to compare himself to, he's going to be head and shoulders above everybody. Paul didn't compare himself to others. Paul compared himself to the Lord. He looked at the Lord. He kept his eyes on the Lord. And he said, you know what? I ain't like him yet. I'm not there yet. He got a lot of work to still do in me. And I'm not satisfied with where I am. Amen? Amen. Look, that's where it starts. It starts with a righteous dissatisfaction. You want to grow. You want to be more like Jesus. You want to, you want to be more committed to the church, more involved in the church, more faithful to him. But all, all of that, it starts with being dissatisfied with where you're at. And you go, well, yeah, you know, I could do those things. But you know what? You won't until you get dissatisfied with where you're at right now. That's where it starts. So then the next step is, is devotion. It's a devotion. And so uh, just a little further in verse 13, he says, he says, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Too many Christians, listen, too many Christians are too involved in too many things. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. We're involved in too many things. And the secret of progress is to concentrate on one thing. One thing. Now, the, there's a, the illustration I'm going to use goes back to Chicago, the Chicago Fire of 1871. Uh, the fire killed approximately 300 people, destroyed roughly 3.3 square miles of the city, including over 17,000 structures, and left more than 100,000 people homeless. So great, great, great disaster there. D.O. Moody was doing ministry in Chicago at the time. And D.L. Moody was burdened that he had been distracted from sharing the gospel by being too busy with too many things. After that, he was burdened. And, and, he, and so his thought was those 300 people died, and perhaps without knowing Christ. And so what he did, he changed some things in his life. Because he was involved with, uh, I, think, I think, YMCA. And, I mean, there was a lot of different things I was reading about, all the different things that he was involved with. And we think sometimes, man, that's good. That's the way to go, all these different things. He changed his ministry. He changed it totally. And he's, one of his famous quotes is this. He says, this one thing I do rather than these 50 things I dabble in. It's focus. It's devotion. It's what is important. What is really important? What are you going to put your hand to the plow and do? And you can't do this real well if you're doing 15 things real well. Um, now, we need to serve. But you need to be careful not to be doing or trying to do too many things. Too many, too many plates spinning. You, you know, you've watched the guy on the, the stage. There's always somebody who's going to get the stick, and they put the plate on there, and he starts spinning, and he starts getting them going. Well, he can do fine with one. He does great with two, three, four, eight. At some point, though, he gets too many going, and he can't keep them spinning. And ultimately, what happens? They fall. They start to fall. Typically, when one falls, it's just they're all going then because now he's trying to catch up on this one. That's what happens, folks. When we get too much going on, we get too much going on, something's going to fall. And when something falls, something's going to break. Okay? So, so it's like Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. I shared this with Kristen. Kristen was in the office this week. And uh, uh, Thursday, I was sharing this with her. The kids are running around. And listen, Kristen was here as our... As our uh, uh, Executive Vice President of Administration. <laughs> she, she did a lot. She did a great job. She was our office administrator. She handled finances. She's still handling our finances. 
and uh, on the, tr uh, f uh, the finance team. And she did, uh, she did working with our children's ministry. She did a lot of things. She had a lot of plates spinning. But she's at home with the kids now. When, when Judah came along, I knew. I said, she's going to end up staying home. Judah is number two. She's going, she's going to want to stay home. And so she did, and I, and I celebrated that with her. I, I, I hated losing her in the office, but I celebrated that with her. But as those kids are running around Thursday, I told her this. You're doing too good a job that you can't come down. It's just I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. Her focus right now, she's still serving. I mean, she's doing, she's doing a lot of things in the church, still serving. But her, but her, the great thing in her life right now is raising those kids. Amen? Amen. So there's got to be balance. There's got to be balance. And, uh, you know, we, we can't be that double-minded man that James talks about that's unstable in all his ways. Folks, if you've got a foot in the world where the world is just super so important to you and you think you've got a foot in the spiritual realm and this is really important, I'm going to tell you, if you've got a foot in the world and you're chasing that, you really aren't real focused on the spiritual. Okay? You've got you to, man, it, it, your relationship with Christ is first and preeminent and all that. And if it's not, you've got a problem. That doesn't mean you've got to quit your job. But, man, quit Quit chasing the corporate ladder. Quit chasing your fulfillment out of a position or more money or, or, or whatever. Find out what God wants you to do and do that, okay? So you start with this dissatisfaction, but then there's devotion. Figuring out what I'm supposed to do, what God wants me to do, and then I'm going to do that, devotion. The third is direction. Uh, continuing in verse 13, Paul says this. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's direction. You find in the right direction. Now, look, go the back, the back, the back, past. That's not the right direction. Okay. The word forgetting there. I want you to understand this. If you'll listen to this right here, you may not. There may not be anything else today. This is going to help some folks this morning. Forgetting is to lose out of mind by implication to neglect. To neglect. Forgetting. Here's the idea. To to neglect. So we don't focus on. So forget the past, the good and the bad, okay? So if it's something that's bad, if it's something bad you've done, if it was sinful, it was wrong, and, and that's bothering you, look, confess it to the Lord, right. amen? amen? Confess it to the Lord, and then, and then move, move past it, because if he's forgiven it, move past, all right? If you got it right with him, confess it, forget it, and move on. Throw it overboard, because all it's going to do is hinder you going forward, or it could be, you know, the Lord used you greatly, and you've just done great things. And, man, you, know what? you praise God for that and move on. It's in the past. Don't let that be the thing you keep looking back to and, and, and holding on to. I don't care if it's good. I don't care if it's bad. If it's in the past, leave it in the past. Paul's like, man, I, I'm moving past that, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Dwelling on past accomplishments will hinder your progress going forward. Again, it's like back to Luke 9.62. No man having put in, putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't plow a straight road if, if you keep your eyes on the past, if you keep looking behind you. You've got to look forward. You've got to be focused on where you're going. And so here's the idea. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen? Amen. And keep your eyes upon Jesus. Think about the, how, how different the story would be if Peter just kept his eyes on the Lord when he was out on the water. 
Now, instead, we go, oh, Peter, he failed. Well, he didn't fail. He, he got his eyes off the Lord. He had faith. He did exactly what God said. He said, come on. Peter jumped out, and Peter walked on water. But when he took his eyes off the Lord, he, he didn't walk on water anymore. Now it's a problem. Now it's the waves. Now it's the, the wind and the lightning and all. He sees all the problems because he's not looking at the Lord. Now, in the Bible, the, the, the term here, to forget, does not mean to fail to remember. People go, well, the Lord, you know, he forgets. It's gone. The Lord doesn't forget in the sense that he can't remember. You understand? He chooses not to remember. He doesn't bring it back up. He's not fishing it out to hold it against you. When he, when he lets it go, it's gone. He's not going to bring it back up, okay? And, and, and if we think for a second... You know, I hear people say, well, forgive and forget. You just got to forgive and forget. That's kind of a stupid statement. It really is. Uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that S word. Um, kids, you don't use that word. I'm using it in a different context, okay? Um, but, it, but it really is not a super smart um, saying to say forgive and forget because we don't have, we can't just highlight something from the past and hit delete. I wish we could, Amen. Anybody wish you could do that? But we can't unless, unless I, I, you know, I've got a, a mental disorder or I've got some trauma or I've got a, something going on or somebody hypno, hypnotizes me or something. You can't just forget things. You're going to remember. But the Bible, when it talks about to forget, the Bible means to no longer, no longer to be influenced by or affected by. Now, here's the thing. People are, people are hindered by their past. And a lot of times, it's things that were done to them. A lot, so let's go here. Statistically, statistically, 50% of you in this room have been sexually abused, sexually molested, raped, something. 50%. That's what the statistics say. Some of you are going, man, I hope, I hope people don't figure out. I hope they don't know. Don't feel shame about something that was done to you understand you know if it's something that you need to talk to the Lord about and, and, and if there's something you need to confess confess it but if there's something you need some healing take it to the Lord and just ask him Lord help me with this take this from me and, and, but here's what we do yeah, I, I got a scar on my leg I got a scar on my leg here six inches long it's pretty jagged we were in a wreck I got thrown out of the car I can tell you today how that, how that got there. I can tell you, I can even remember how it felt. It didn't hurt at all. I didn't feel it for a couple of hours. And when it started hurting, then they wanted to come in at the ER and scrub it and all that stuff and stick needles. I'm like, man, the last hour I didn't feel a thing. Why didn't you come in then? All right, but I can tell you how it felt, all that. But it's a scar today because the thing that happened, I've let go. I'm not being thrown out of a car right now. My leg's not ripped open and bleeding right now. It's in the past. It's in the past. i got to let that go. And you let it heal. And we give it to the Lord and we, and we seek the Lord. You know what He does? He brings healing. He can forgive. And so i got a scar there, but the scar doesn't hurt. But here's what happens. If I constantly pick at that, let's say all those years ago, before my junior year in high school, and I'd been picking at that, and it gets infected. That's what happens because we won't, we won't let it go. We won't... We won't put the, the, the medicine on it to, to bring healing. We don't let the Lord put the balm on it to bring healing. 
We don't take it to him and talk to him about it. We carry it around. We pick on it. We pick it, and it gets sore, and then it stays infected so that, man, every time I move, oh, man, mm, that hurts. Why does that hurt? Well, I keep picking at it, you know, and it just won't get well. But folks, that's what we do. Somebody that hurt me, I walk in the door, and the first thing I do in my mind is rehearse everything. Forgive and forget, you can, but it requires you truly forgiving. And then when you quit rehearsing it, and you quit thinking about it all the time, you quit bringing it up, you quit looking back, you know what, you can move forward. And, I, and, and I, I've talked to many people who still struggle with that. you got to move forward. you got to let the Lord heal. But if you quit thinking about it all the time, because I, you know, I, the things I went through, here's what, here's what happened. I used to could tell you I could spit out a book on all the ways. Now, my dad didn't abuse me that way, but my dad, I could tell you why he was scum. He was sorry. He was a drunk. He was this. He was that. Hated my dad. When I forgave my dad, Took a, took a couple of years. My brother called me one day and he says, you know, you know, Dad, and all those things he did. And I, I, I remember being on the phone. It was a striking moment in my life that I still remember. And I remember going, I had to stop and think. What's, what's, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's all those things he's done? Because it was not preeminent in my mind. It wasn't first in my mind. I had to just think, all right, so, you know what? You got to let it, you got to forgive and you let it go. And in time, here's what happens. What did I just say? It no longer, you're not influenced or affected by it. Now, if you are, it could be in the positive realm. But now you've been healed of something. Now you, now you can move forward with helping someone else instead of still being back there 5, 10, 20, 50 years ago. Someone in my family still rehearses stuff from years ago when, he was, when, he, when, when, when they were a teenager. Still rehearses things, still still bitter and tort its influence in them, not for the right reason. Paul just says, "Look, I let things go." Paul had a lot of things he could have held on to, good or bad. He let it go. He said, "I let those things go. I am I'm going to move forward." He's moving in the right direction. Okay, I got to move quick. Number four, determination, verse fourteen. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of of God in Christ Jesus. I press forward. So I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back. Good or bad, forgetting the past, I'm pressing forward. My direction is that way. It's toward Christ. Now that word press, I press, it means to pursue or to persecute. And the idea is this of an intense endeavor. Okay, So it gives us the idea of a hunter pursuing their prey. Unlike we hunt today, you know, sit up in a tree and and, and I did a great job of hunting as the deer walked by right under me, and I could have jumped out and slit his throat, but I, I'm sorry, I had graphic. <laughs> sorry, kids. <laughs> Parents are going to be going home. That preacher. I press. My brain still ain't right, okay? Y'all forgive me, all right? So I press, I press. You know, we get saved, we read the Word of God, and we learn His will, and then God works in us, and then He works out in us. We work it out. And so we pursue what God has for us. And so I press, I press toward the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Verse 12, if we go back there, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on. He says it again here. 
He says, that I may, listen to what he says, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You'd think Paul had already gotten that, but Paul didn't think he'd already gotten there. Paul said, look, I press forward because I want to grasp. I want to be full on, full throws in what God laid his hands on me for. What did you, God, what did you get a hold of me for? You've got me. Now, what is it you want to do in me? Paul said, I want to know what it is he wants me to do. Why did you get a hold of me, Lord? I want to get a hold of what you want me to do. I want to get a hold of you and what you have for me. That's what he says. I press on. He pursues it. He persecutes this thing like a like prey. I am pursuing. I'm pressing on. I want what God wants for me. Now, here's what I hear people say. Well, let go and let God. If you say that, don't go, amen, preacher. I'm going to tell you why. That's not a great statement. Because we would not take that approach. Tom Brady never once got in the huddle, not one time in thousands and thousands of snaps, not one time got in the huddle and said, all right, man, here we go. All right, now let go and let coach. We're just going to let coach do it. He's got it. We're just going to let go and let... All right, so... They just all stand there. You get the idea? I mean, that's, that, that's kind of the idea of let go, let God. Now, I'm just going to stand back and watch. It's not how God works. The other side of it is Tom Brady goes in the huddle and says, Hey, guys, forget what all the coaches have said. We're just going to do it our way. Because sometimes people think, well, I got all the answers. It's neither. We don't, we don't just take our hands off of it because God is working in us to work through us. It's what Paul's been teaching us. He works in us to work through us. So it's this determination that I want to do. I want to do what God wants me to do. Do you have that heart? Is it, is it just a desire in your head or is it truly a heart's desire that God has put in you? Man, I, I want to know what it is He wants me to do. Then I press on. Last thing is, is this, is discipline. Verse 15 and 16, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, to the degree that you have already attained. So you've, you've, you're maturing, you're growing, you, none of us are there yet, but to the degree that you have, he says, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You know, we, 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 it, it, it's, it's, it's obeying the rules. It's doing, what, it's, doing it, it's doing God's work, living God's life that he's given us God's way. Right? Too many people today get in the word of God. They take scripture out of context. They take scripture out of scripture. We don't want that in here. And they live their life the way they want to live. They don't live as God has instructed us. We've got to obey the Word of God. The whole Word of God. Cover to cover. It's all true. Amen? Amen. 
It's all true. So, so we, we learn the Word of God, and then we live the Word of God. We've got to obey, obey the Word of God, uh, unlike, unlike Tom Brady and the Patriots with Spygate and with Deflategate. Don't be a cheater. Don't try to do it your way. Don't shut, uh, cut corners and take shortcuts. Do it the right way. Do it God's way. Do it the Bible way. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may attain. And you want to run the race? You want to be successful in the race? Then run the race the right way. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, is disciplined, is self-controlled in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. You think about the work that goes in, the lifetime of work. For now, they get a, a, a medal that's covered with gold, or they get a bronze, or they get a silver. I don't think, they don't think they're solid gold, I don't think. That'd be, pretty, that'd be a lot of value. I think it's a very, very thin layer of gold. It's perishable. Back then, they got a, a laurel reef around their head. That thing was, in a few days, was going to wither up and blow away. All right. They did all of that for a perishable crown. I don't care if you're winning the Super Bowl and the trophy of the Super Bowl. It's a perishable prize. They do all of this, all of the commitment and the focus and the sacrifice, all of that for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, Paul says, I run not with uncertainty. I don't, I don't go out there and just stumble along. I'm focused. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. I'm not shadow boxing, is what Paul says. I'm, I'm in the fight. I'm determined, I'm gonna, I'm, and I'm, I'm in this. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I had a pastor years ago when I was doing some mission trips, and he told me, he said, he said, uh, he said before you go, you need to get your body disciplined. You know, you're going to go over in Tajikistan for three weeks. And he was talking about all of it, the eating, your eating is going to be different over there. The sleeping, you know, you've got to be, and but you've got to have your body in subjection to you so that you're not weak and, and then subject to give in to things you would, because you're going to be under attack. You're going to go on a spiritual trip? Y'all going to Cuba in a, uh, this summer, uh, what, March? March, spring break. Taking a bunch of t- college kids down there, going to go to Cuba. So I know y'all pray up and prepare because you, you've been there. You've seen it. There's spiritual warfare that you fight in that. You, you've got you to you bring your body into subjection. So it's discipline. It is this discipline. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore we, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Anything that would hinder us. It can be our job. It can be, it could be family things. It could be friends. It could be possessions. It could be our entertainment, our recreation. If it's something that's hindering us and what God wants us to do, we need to lay it aside. If it's, if it's something that we've gotten out of order, it may not be something you have to get rid of, but maybe it's out of order in our life, and maybe it's gotten ahead of the Lord because there shouldn't be anything ahead of the Lord. It should be the Lord. And everything else should come in order after that. We lay those, side, those things aside, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. You want to you have the spiritual mind? This is what Paul was saying. And uh, Pastor Aaron, you can come, Jim. Y'all could come. Wrapping up here. Um, he's talking about the spiritual mind. And if you want to have joy in your life, you gotta, you're going to have to develop the spiritual mind. 
Starts with, it starts with the single mind, a mind focused on Christ, which, which leads to the submissive mind, the humble mind, the mind like Christ. So we go from a mind set on Christ to the mind that is, that is like Christ. And then we have the spiritual mind. It's a mind that we, we're, we're, we're spiritually minded. Starts with the righteous dissatisfaction. You know what, this morning, I, we're going to have a time, if you want to come and pray, you can come and pray. The truth is, this altar ought to be, every person in this room could be at this altar this morning. Every person in this room would, would have need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I am not where I need to be. It starts with that dissatisfaction in your spiritual walk. And then, and then it's devotion and the right direction and determination and discipline. All those things can help us get to where God wants us to be, which when we get the spiritual mind is where we'll want to be. We want to be like him. And that's the thought this morning. So we're going to have, like I said, we're going to have a time of prayer to reflect on what we've heard this morning. We've heard a lot this morning. And, uh, man, if you want to come to this altar and pray, then I invite you to come and pray. If this morning you, you, you say, Preacher, I don't, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I've been either trying to have a, uh, works righteousness, or maybe I don't even understand what you're talking about with righteousness. But I realized this morning that I'm a sinner, and I don't know Jesus Christ, and I believe He's the Son of God. I believe He's born of a virgin and lived a sinless life and died on the cross for my sin. I believe that, and I need that. I need forgiveness. If that's you this morning, I invite you to step out and come down here and talk to me. Let me introduce you to Christ this morning. All I can do is be a facilitator. It's what He does in your life. But I'd sure love to facilitate you, you meeting Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus this morning. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've heard from Mark and uh, Rebecca. Uh, uh, Becca and, and Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in their life and through their life. You're, you've worked in them and you're working through them. And as they work out their salvation, not working for their salvation. Lord, as they work out their salvation, I pray you continue to bless them and lead them and guide them and, and just use them to impact a multitude of young people there at Appalachian State. Lord, I pray for us this morning, for every one of us, that, Lord, we would, we would all come to that place this morning that we're dissatisfied. We are righteously dissatisfied. We are not where we want to be. We're not where we need to be. Lord, change our hearts, burden our hearts that we would truly be at a place of dissatisfaction so we'll make those changes and we'll grow and pursue what it is you have for us in our life. Lord, bless now in this time and we'll praise you in Christ's name.